Good morning. Communion Sunday. Again, I tend to focus my openings on, you know, be it the blood or the bread, the body, um, things that surround the surround communion, and this will be no different. Pulled a, a commentary from J.C. Ryle. Um, he does some expository comments on the Gospels. He wrote those back in the mid-1850s. And I think, Randy, I got you a set, didn't I? I think, and I got another set. It's online too. They're really, really good. But this is Luke on Luke 22. I'm sorry. Yeah, Luke 22, 14 through 33. I'll just read one section of what he talks about regarding Jesus and the disciples in that Last Supper. Verse 14, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on this table, at this table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to acquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. J.C. Ryle. These verses contain St. Luke's account of the institution of the Lord's Supper. It is a passage which every true Christian will always read and deep with deep interest. How wonderful it seems that an ordinance so beautifully simple as its first appointment should have been obscured and mystified by man's inventions. What a painful proof it is of human corruption that some of the bitterest controversies which have disturbed the church have been concerning the table of the Lord. Great indeed is the ingenuity of man in perverting God's gifts. The ordinance that should have been for his wealth is too often made an occasion of falling. A lot of times J.C. Rowell will do a summary and then hit three points. I'm just going to read the first point, probably hit the other points in following months. He goes, we should notice for one thing, in these verses, that the principal object of the Lord's Supper was to remind Christians of Christ's death for sinners. In appointing the Lord's Supper, Jesus distinctly tells his disciples that they were to do what they did in remembrance of him. In one word, the Lord's Supper is not a sacrifice. It is eminently a commemorative ordinance. The bread that the the believers at the Lord's table is intended to remind him of Christ's body given to death on the cross for his sins. The wine that he drinks is intended to remind him, us, of Christ's blood shed to make atonement for his transgressions. 
The whole ordinance was meant to keep fresh in his memory the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and the satisfaction which that sacrifice made for the sin of the world. The two elements of bread and wine were intended to preach Christ crucified as our substitute under lively emblems. They were to be a visible sermon, appealing to the believer's senses and teaching the old foundation truth of the gospel, that Christ's death on the cross is the life of man's soul. We shall do well to keep steadily in view this simple view of the Lord's Supper, that a special blessing is attached to a worthy use of it, as well to the worthy use of every ordinance appointed by Christ, there is, of course, no doubt. But that there is any other means by which Christians can eat Christ's body and drink Christ's blood, accepting faith, we must always steadily deny. He that comes to the Lord's table with faith in Christ may confidently expect to have his faith increased by receiving the bread and wine. But he that comes without faith has no right to accept a blessing. Empty he comes to the ordinance, empty he will go away. The less mystery and obscurity we attach to the Lord's Supper, the better will it be for our, our souls. We should reject with abhorrence the unscriptural notion that there is any oblation or sacrifice in it, that the substance of the bread and wine is at all changed, or that the mere formal act of receiving this sacrament can do any good to the soul. We should cling firmly to the great principle laid down in its institution that it is eminently a commemorative ordinance and that reception of it without faith and a thankful remembrance of Christ's death can do us no good. The words of the church catechism are wise and true. Quote, it was ordained for the continual remembrance of the sacrifice of the death of Christ. The declaration of the articles is clear and distinct. Quote, the means whereby the body of Christ is received and taken in the supper is faith. End quote. The exhortation of the prayer book points out the only way in which we can feed on Christ. Quote, feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. End quote. Lastly, but not least, the caution of the homily is most instructive. Quote, let us take heed lest of the memory it be made a sacrifice. End quote makes two other points, but just this one. By faith, we come to the table. I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to read also again from the Valley of Vision. Puritan prayers written down. It's like 150 of these things, and they are solid. Christ is all. O lover to the uttermost, May I read the meltings of thy heart to me in the manger of thy birth, in the garden of thy agony, in the cross of thy suffering, in the tomb of thy resurrection, in the heaven of thy intercession. Bold in this thought, I defy my adversary, tread down his temptations, resist his schemings, renounce the world and valiant for truth. Deepen in me a sense of my holy relationship with thee as spiritual bridegroom, as Jehovah's fellow, as sinner's friend. I think of thy glory and my vileness, thy majesty, my meanness, thy beauty, my deformity, thy purity, my filth, thy righteousness, my iniquity. Thou hast loved me everlastingly, unchangeably. May I love thee as I am loved. 
Thou hast given thyself for me, may I give myself to thee. Thou hast died for me, may I live to thee in every moment of my time, in every movement of my mind, in every pulse of my heart. May I never daily with the, I'm sorry, may I never dally with the world and its allurements, but walk by thy side, listen to thy voice, be clothed with thy graces, and adorned with thy righteousness. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for granting us time together. Help us to honor you and worship you rightly. Communion, song, prayer, and in your word. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.